we do not have a guest. Today is our first time that we are doing something called Horror Classics. It's where me and my occasional co-host, Brennan LaFaro. Did I say that correctly? That's actually LaFaro, like uh, Laniro, LaFaro, wherever you are. <laughs> I'm going to fuck it up. Um, yeah. Today, um, today, me and Brennan are going to talk about a book that I think it's hard to say isn't a classic. Um, it's an extreme classic, but this will be the first of hopefully many where him and me try to make it as spoiler free, but it's, it's going to have spoilers in it. So we're going to just break that down. But before just in this one, we're going to talk a little bit about ourselves since this is one of the first episodes. We're going to talk about him, uh, how he got into reviewing and anything else that comes up. How long have you been reviewing for? Um, at a guess, I would say probably about eight months. So the uh, short version is that um, obviously I'm a, a a big reader, but um, I kind of started a Twitter, not even really a website at first, but just a Twitter handle to um, to write about what I was reading at the moment. Um, and I called it, uh, what happens next. It's actually from, um, Neil Gaiman. Um, and I'm, I'm going to mess up the exact quote, but he said that basically what drives a story is that when you get to the end of the page, when you get to the end of the chapter, you should be asking yourself what happens next. And that's something that always stuck with me. Um, and eventually I kind of abandoned the idea of basically just posting, Hey, here's what I'm reading. Um, and I noticed that a lot of the people that were doing kind of the same thing were putting up reviews on Goodreads and whatnot, and that there was, uh, the, the, there were a lot of horror related books that I had just absolutely never heard of before, or maybe I had seen fly by on Amazon, but never really gave any credence to. Um, I was kind of a Stephen King just starting to get into Robert McCammon and thinking that was for the most part it and like oh man how wrong I was <laughs> um yeah <laughs> and um so I I started writing reviews just kind of winging it and trying to figure it out as I go again saw kind of the need especially in the indie community uh, and and how much weight they had i mean i guess i always kind of assumed that reviews were more just people kind of tooting their own horns but i mean the the authors that uh don't have uh mansions and 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 don't live entirely can't live off off their work entirely uh they kind of live or die by those um and it really went quickly from I'll do this for fun to I mean, I'm still doing it for fun, but uh, for the most part, uh, trying to fulfill a need as uh, pompous and arrogant as that sounds. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all are. I mean, as yeah. a, you're you're a writer, too. I don't know if a lot of people when this airs at, at that point will even know that because you don't really promote it. I hope you do eventually. But uh even reviewers, I think, are the same in the sense where, you know, we we have a need to express this, these feelings and emotions and voices in our head. And it's not pompous, I don't think. It's just a way that we posit, have a positive outlet to express. And that's what kind of art that's what art is. Agreed. 
it and uh you know and the other part of it is if i read a stephen king book that was written in like 1983 that i really enjoy i i can you know yell from the rooftops how great this is but the thing is that it, everybody's already read it everybody uh has either they either know it's great or they don't care um and with with um with, with a lot of the books that i've discovered in the last six eight months um there's kind of a need to say hey check this out you know this is something that you might not have heard of before it's something that you might have uh you know maybe seen mentioned in passing but uh, you, you haven't, you don't know what it's about. You don't know what kind of a story it is. Um, and just, just to basically say this is worth your time. I promise. Yeah, that's, I, that's a good way to put it. And to me, the way I think I would describe it, the indie horror scene in these, I can't speak about for like the movie side of it, but for the book side of it, it's kind of like a secret club where we're in the open but people still kind of walk by and we look maybe normalish to them, but there's a big secret and there's it, it, the secrets full of books, full of stories, friendship. Like you and me became friends over just talking about books at first and now we're both from uh, New England and, and now we talk a lot. We talk often and I'm sure you can say that about quite a few people. I know I can. It's pretty awesome. Oh yeah, um, and and even just it, like you said, it's it's like a, a hidden world almost. Like the amount of uh, what's out there that I've discovered just in the last year. Like I I didn't even know there was uh, you know the peak of that. Never mind everything that was under the surface. Uh, it's just it's nuts. You know, it'd be great is if this episode when it airs maybe later, if we could be the first thing that someone hears about the indie horror scene and they're like what's that and they ask more questions and they eventually stumble into everyone that like paul tremblay and josh malman like there are people that don't even know that name because i've heard of my friends that aren't readers they talk about the you know the movie bird box and i'm like oh yeah josh malman he's such a nice guy like uh, i haven't really talked to him but listening to interviews and this and that and they're like, who's that? Even though I just said it, they're like, who's that? I've never heard of them. It, it's crazy how popular the art can be, but the artists, even as social as a guy like Josh is or Paul is, are kind of unknown to the masses. Well, I think it, it come, a lot of it comes down to being a reader. Uh, talking specifically about Josh, there might be um, uh, however many people watch that movie on Netflix and 80% of them might not know or even care that it was based on a book. And out of that 20% that knows that or, you know, they, they might not have checked out the book or anything like that. So, I mean, he certainly uh, recorded a fair bit of sales based on that. But that doesn't mean that, you know, everybody who watched it um, automatically went down that road. So, yeah. And uh, just one more point about this is I. I loved the new, uh, and I know some friends don't care for it, but I love the new remake of It. And, um, I mean, it is what it is. It's goofy. It's about a killer clown, but I enjoyed it. It was more true to the book in my eyes than the, the one when I was a kid. And, uh, I bring that up because Stephen King, I don't know if you saw it, but Stephen King was, he played a role like he does in a lot of his movies in it. And, and me and 
I went with a group of friends and my wife and me and one only one of those people in that group is a reader that likes horror. And we were cracking up when we saw Stephen King, not because we saw him, but because of every the theater was full, like almost no one recognized him. And we were we thought it was the funniest thing. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, you had to love, <clears throat> and it was such a throwaway line to the average moviegoer, I, I think, um, where he just said, you know, he, uh, James McAvoy asks him if he'd like a signed copy of the book, and Stephen King says, nah, and like the ending. Um, just that, <laughs> yeah. that, that whole thing about how he has, you know, no idea how to end a book, but, uh, yeah, I, I thought there were a lot of enjoyable moments in those. Yeah, they were fun. Um, so, like you, like, I, I fell out of love with reading throughout high school and I don't necessarily blame like a teacher, but, uh, more so the system, at least that I went through high school on do. And I don't know if it's cause I went to a Catholic school, but, uh, we had specific books that we had to read. And I just, I remember one that just made me go like, what the fuck am I even doing? I can't even finish a page in that book was all quiet on the western front now if you love that book that's fine but for me teenage me i wanted to smash my head into a wall <laughs> um i i bring that up because uh when i fell back in love with reading it was first biographies then history books and then stephen king i didn't really start reading him until i was in my early 20s and I didn't know about the indie scene until my late 20s. And I still, I mean, I'm only like a year into really diving into this world. But holy shit, every day there's like something new. It's crazy. Yeah, and, and I definitely, I, I, I don't think it's because you were in Catholic school. I went to uh, public high school. and <laughs> uh, the It's funny, I was just having this, uh, I, I made a post and was having this conversation not that long ago about, um, I read Chad Lutsky's of Foster Homes and Flies, and I said, mm. this is the type of thing that would be fantastic to throw at um, like a 15-year-old sophomore or something, uh, rather than All Quiet on the Western Front or even, you know, Catcher in the Rye. Um, it's, it's, I, and then there's a fair few more books that, you know, you get thrown at in high school and, you know, it's to expand what you're reading. It's to expand your mind and, and, and read widely and read classics and all that. But there, it's so easy to just throw something at an impressionable kid and saying, this is what, you know, you're supposed to appreciate this. Um, and just have that person come away with, uh, I don't appreciate this, so I guess I, <laughs> I guess I'm wrong. I guess I'm not a reader. You know, I guess I don't like books. Um, when instead, you know, it, it, there needs to be some sort of system in place to, uh, give, give students more choice. But I think I'm kind of straying far from the topic at this point. <laughs> um, the, uh, but, but yeah, so I mean, same thing. I kind of fell out of it for a while when I came back in. Um, you know, I'm sitting next to my shelf. I've got a fair bit of, uh, Cormac McCarthy, if you know him. Um, uh, he did, uh, No Country for Old Men mm. and The Road and, um, Blood Meridian is, uh, I don't know if that, I don't think it's a movie, but that's one of his better known ones. Um, and eventually kind of got into the, uh, Dark Tower series from Stephen King, which, 
led me to read literally everything else uh, that that he's written, um, thinking that that's really all there was to horror. I think I tried like one Dean Koontz book and uh, not for me. <laughs> I have a few Koontz books and I mean, I I don't know. There's certain authors that if I know their personality or just I, I don't even have to talk to them. There's some authors that give off an exciting vibe. He doesn't to me, and this is going to sound a little fucked up considering I love Stephen King, but he doesn't do it for me all that much anymore either now that I'm familiar with like the indie scene. and I'm, I'm super hooked on I, I guess I'm biased, but like there's so many good authors now that I'm aware of. Yeah, no, and I, I agree with that totally. Like, I, I have read every book, uh, as far as I know, that Stephen King has put out. But there's, I, I could probably, if I sat down with a list, I could probably name 10, 15, maybe even 20, that uh, knowing what else is out there, I might not have been so anxious to kind of push it all the way through. There's certainly a, a lot, and I wouldn't even... Um, say it's all stuff that came out in 70s, 80s, and 90s, but even some more recent stuff that's really fantastic. But there are also some that I, I agree with you. The uh, the story is not necessarily up to the quality of some other stuff I've read lately. Um, it's it's bloated. Nobody, <laughs> nobody uh, Nobody's going to disagree with that, that, you know, he um, <laughs> writes a lot and yeah. doesn't always necessarily need to. Um and and you know there's there's my train of thought going off the rails but yeah i i think you're right i think just because it is kind of the gold standard doesn't make it better um than you know any of the any of the stuff that i've read and written about you know in the last year or so do you think that the indie scene is going to have a and i threw a question at uh joe or lansdale about something similar i asked him um I forget where the conversation originated from, but I asked him, like, do you think sales wise that the independent, you know, publisher and whatnot will eventually overtake the traditional five? Uh, because it seems like there's more and there's a lot of good quality. Um, and he said basically what it comes down to is if they can end up selling more. Uh, I mean, that makes sense, but. What do you think from from your point of view, from what you've seen, take the bias, love of, of all this. Do you think it could eventually translate to like this could be the gold standard in the genre itself? I I don't have the slightest idea. I feel like answering <laughs> that. I feel like that's like saying, hey, uh, you know, what what kind of uh, what do you think cars are going to be like in, uh, you know, the year twenty one hundred? I don't even know how to take a swing at that. Honestly, I think that you will certainly see uh, more people like uh, like Tremblay or like Mallerman um, make the jump to big publishers. But I, I think the big publishers are always going to kind of hold the weight like those are the books you're going to you're going to see at Walmart, at Target, Um those are the ones that are going to get the um, the the display at at, at Barnes and Noble, um, assuming that continues to exist. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I I think by definition, independent is not going to take over anything. But you know, you may see a shift in the authors that start out independent, kind of 
um, making their name and, you know, being able to use that platform to get their stuff around and then, you know, being able to make that transition to get it in the hands of more people. Again, you know, when that happens, if and when that happens, um, eventually your small indie press can't fulfill the need to get it into enough hands and you almost need to transfer over to to a big five. But uh, like I said, I, that's 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 the closest I can come to any kind of guess there. <laughs> that's a better answer than I would have guessed uh, would have given. Um, but you do see that there's more. Uh, not a whole lot, but there's indie guys in both fields that are getting movies on Netflix uh, and other platforms, which is really exciting, and it's hopeful for a little guy like me. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, Tim Lebin had one on Netflix. That I, was I haven't heard the Silence. I think. Yeah. Yep. I have not seen it. Um, it's great. I don't know how that translated to sales for him. Like I said, I listened to an interview with. Uh, Josh Mellerman, so I, you know, and he kind of went over what he saw in his sales after Bird Box out, and that was like, that was an unprecedented success, you know, on, uh, as far as views go. So that's, that's not even a fair standard to hold anything <laughs> else up to. What did he say? I, I don't believe I heard. I that. couldn't tell you numbers off the top of my head, but, um, he said like it, it, it spiked and it, it, as much as, uh, it, it didn't, sustain that spike it never quite went away he said that he still sells um a very consistent um amount of copies and i think this was an interview that went up just a few months ago and that that movie's been out must be well over a year now oh for sure that's crazy i don't even i wouldn't even know what to do with myself (laughs) what so before you reviewed books do you notice that there's an ink? Because you said you read a lot. I know you read a shitload. You're one of those reviewers, you and Jason and a few others, that I'm like, one day. One day it might be good like them. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm so fucking slow. Except for the book that we're going to talk about very shortly. I want to yes. <laughs> I want to read like that. I don't know what happens. And uh, I, I just I, – I guess that's going to be my last question before we get into it is – um. Do you notice like a spike in how often you read compared to what before you started reviewing? Um, definitely, because as much as, you know, um, and, and Mike Clark is such a pristine example of this, like he, he can't say enough. Take your time. You know, don't don't worry about it. Get to it when you get to it. <laughs> um, but, it, it, you know, whenever I accept, uh, you know, uh, a book from somebody who's who's looking to get it out there. I, I feel this pressure. I'm like, well, I've got to, I got to fly through it. Um, and especially if it's something that's, you know, coming out relatively soon. Um, so I mean, there, and, and even if it's something that is already out and has been out for a while and somebody sends it my way, I'm like, well, you know, I gotta, I gotta take care of that for them. So yeah, yeah. there's certainly a pressure, but, um, you know, it's all about, I, I wouldn't consider myself a speed reader by any stretch of the imagination. I just make the time. Um, and, a fair bit of that time could definitely be spent writing. Um, but you know, it's, I, I, I make time during lunch. Uh, you know, when I used to leave the house to go have lunch, uh, <laughs> 
three that that three weeks ago seems like a year ago. Um, and you know, just at night, just uh, and and I the the I picked up a Kindle for my birthday, and that definitely that that definitely makes a, a big difference too. Um, just being able to kind of cycle back and forth, not having to pick something up off a shelf, but mm. I just I, I I enjoy it, so I make the time. Simple as that. Makes sense. So yeah, the book that we're talking about today is Jack Ketchum's The Girl Next Door. Um, before I give my thoughts on the brief summary, before we dive into it, my question to you is: When did you hear about Jack Ketchum? And after, without diving into any details, after reading this book, what did it make you think about him as far as what people said about him in this book in particular? That's, that's a really loaded question. So, uh, <laughs> yes, it is. And it's a, and it's a long winded answer too. Um, so the, the answer is actually, I heard of Jack Ketchum, um, well over 10 years ago. I used to work in a video store. Uh, before those went the way of the Buffalo. And <laughs> I remember, I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you could rent <laughs> videos and, uh, you know, no, no, not download them, but, uh, and you had to bring them back and you had yeah. to, it wasn't so long ago that you had to rewind it. But, um, yeah. so anyways, I remember seeing, um, the, the movie, the girl next door on the shelf, and this would have been uh, around 2007. Um, and I don't, I don't even, if I was a reader then, I was, it was, I was just kind of starting to pick up Stephen King books. I wasn't, I had enough in front of me. I wasn't looking for, you know, much else. Um, but then, you know, I, I, I would see his books pop up here and there and I couldn't pinpoint exactly what it was, but something made me think that he was extreme horror. Um, which I guess he is, but my, thought process on that at the time was that means that this guy is just writing a, a book that is gory and it's not necessarily going to be good it's just like like a like a <laughs> b-movie like bloody mess and i yeah. just i wasn't interested in that at the time again i kind of made up my mind without uh without opening a book or really even reading to find out what they were about um and then i you know when i started digging into this community a little bit that name comes up i mean you you can't go a day without without <laughs> reading you know that he influenced somebody or that he was just such a stand up human being um yeah, yeah so uh, and and all the people that he influenced i'm like well this person can write and they say that they really enjoyed reading this guy so obviously he's not just uh you know popping eyeballs out of heads and you know just writing this like gross nonsense um and I picked up this book. I actually, this is the only one I have of his right now, but just with the intent of, I'll get around to it. And, you know, you and I came up with a pretty good excuse to get around to it. Yeah. 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 That's, uh, so I, think, I think that was only the, uh, first part of your question, but how, how about you? Where did you first hear about Jack Ketchum? So, uh, I've technically been in like the horror scene since 2013 and I, I use that term very loosely because uh, I didn't really talk to – this is weird, but I only really talked to, like, unintentionally just, like, British authors and uh, British publishers for the first year or so. I don't know. Again, I have no idea why. It just happened to be that way. And um, I didn't hear about Jack Ketchum until, like, right – 
I think right before he died. I heard of him before he passed away, but the year he passed away, um, which what what was that like? That was only a few years ago, I think. I think seventeen, but I'm not a hundred percent on that. That sounds right. Um, yeah, so probably yeah, right before then, I heard about him, and then when he passed, like everyone was talking about him. Stephen King made a tweet about him, and. I kind of slowly learned about how he was influential, like you said, and eventually got into Brian Keene's uh, The Horror Show with Brian Keene, and he personally knew him. He was friends with him. And the coolest thing that I thought about him was he uh, was a literary agent, but not just that. He was Philip K. Dick's literary agent. And I'm, I'm just thinking, like, okay, this guy was the agent for a huge author that had – crazy fucked up ideas that I personally love. He influenced all these people that are successful, good authors. And I don't know, I guess I, I got to read them, but I didn't really want to read extreme horror. And then I was like, maybe I do. Cause I had the same idea that I was just like trying to gross you out, just not being offensive, but I guess being offensive. And, um, I, I don't know. You and me talked, and I was like, fuck it. Like, I've never read Extreme Horror. Jack Ketchum's supposed to be, like, one of the go-to guys, one of the Yodas, if you will. <laughs> so, yeah, ask, talking to you about this, because that's how this whole – I hope it's a series. I think it will be a series between you and me doing these. Um, I, I just – that was it. That was the last thing that made me go for it. I was like – Oh, you want to do this? They're like, yeah. I'm like, okay. I went on eBay, bought the book, and then uh, to talk about a quick point that I said earlier, I said I don't read fast, but this book's what 340 pages. I read yeah. it. In ten, I read it in ten days. That's insane for me. Um, <laughs> it's landmark, just, yeah. I've ne I I think I've literally never read a book that quick. It took it takes me like usually I'm trying to get better at this. Usually it takes me like a month to read four hundred page book. Um But it's just so good. It's pretty fucked up. It's the most fucked up thing I've ever consumed uh in art or reality. Um it's so well written, it cracked open my head as a writer to say, hey, this is how you make words flow incredibly well where you don't even know how fast you're reading. So that's my whole take on it. Yeah, and I, I mean, I like I said, I went into it, and I, I, I think the book came out in 1989, so I couldn't speak yeah. for anybody who read it, you know, then or even even 15 years ago. But um, I, 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 I knew kind of what was going to happen just from knowing, just from having heard that it was based on this true crime, like I said, my wife is a big fan of that stuff. She knew the exact case that uh, this was referencing. So, I mean, it's I approached it from a direction of I know exactly, for the most part, not exactly, but I know what's going to happen in this book. Let's see how it's executed. And I think the execution um, is what makes it work, because there's a way to write this book that makes it into exactly the extreme horror that you and I pictured in our minds when we yeah. first heard the name oh um, God, and yeah. just make it um, grotesque and and um, kind of like a, a circus sideshow. Like, hey, come look at what's happening. But that's <laughs> that's 
that's not at all the way it goes about. Um, there, in fact, even though, I mean, I, I wouldn't, 340 pages is not a super short book, especially when you've, you know, we were just talking about Stephen King, 300, 340 pages is pretty, <laughs> is, is his version of a novella. But, um, <laughs> yeah. the, uh, I, you don't really get anything, get the sense, you, nothing bad happens for like a hundred, hundred and fifty pages. Yeah. It's all, it's all building. And I, I loved the way that it started, um, in, you know, present day. Let's, let's put that in finger quotes. Um, and basically lets you get to know the narrator because, uh, he's going to go through some shit. And, uh, because you spend a lot of time with them and because that gets built up, it means something. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's going to be a guy that's either alive or I don't really like this version, but a, a journal. I mean, they usually are alive when they're talking about their childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, he's going to be alive, but the way it starts out, uh, this isn't really a spoiler. He, I mean, it's nothing that ruins the plot. He talks well, about. Let's also remember that the book again was released in 1989. I mean, yeah, that's true. There's got to be some kind of statute of limitations on spoilers. Yeah, anyone that has a problem with this, don't fucking talk to us about having a problem with it. Just listen or don't. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know about you, but I don't really plan on the the, the things that um, uh, the specifics. Let's say prior to like chapter 42, uh, I'm not gonna go into that. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, we can just, like, at the most brush upon it, but, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, (laughs) I don't know, man, like, I I just, uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. So, it starts out with our narrator, Dave, or David, talking about his ex-wives, and I thought that was really cool how he basically says they don't really know, what was it, they don't really know what pain is? Yeah, yep. And it just it gives examples as to why. And that sounds like something like, all right, what's the big deal? But that's the whole point. He's supposed to be he's kind of he's someone that knows he's seen things. Yeah, and, exactly. And you, you get the sense from page one. Now, uh, granted, you you can take the uh, divorce rates in the, the United States into account, but you <laughs> get the sense from page one. This is a damaged human being. He's, you know, about to uh, about to marry his third wife. So, yeah. 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 I mean, I, I work with two guys that are married on their, the two guys that I directly work with in my department that are on their third marriage and they have different experiences, but they don't sound like a whole lot. The first two don't sound like anything good and nothing against anyone that marries multiple times, but, uh, you're not married again for a good reason. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that does set a precedence and, um, once they start talking about the childhood, it's kind of even the way he describes like a a, a river and just fishes. What what was he going after? I forget those. Oh, crawfish. Yep. Just the way he talks about that is just so. I'm like, I want to know more. If I saw that in real life, I don't think I'd really care. But the way he describes it is so interesting. Yeah, and I mean, right from from there, like the way that David interacts with Meg um, down at the at the creek with the crawfish, like there's such an establishment of of innocence there. And again, that's just something that really pays off when the shit hits the fan later. Oh, absolutely. And the way that things happen between uh, David and Meg, 
you forget things when you're an adult. How how old are you? I forget if you're the same age or not. Um, you're I got I'm in my mid thirties. I'm thirty one, so yeah, yep. enough. So I don't remember a whole lot of stuff when uh I was I don't know was how old was he fourteen? No, not nine. Twelve, I think. Twelve. Okay, so Sue's his. Okay, so Meg was fourteen. His her sister was nine. Oh yeah, he was twelve because she's two years older than him. Um, I don't remember a whole lot of stuff when I was that age. I just all I remember when I was twelve was the first M-rated game I got from uh. Toys R Us with my mom, because it was a big deal for me. Turok, Two Seeds of Evil. I just remember you could cut heads off, and I was like, <laughs> that's awesome. That, that N64, and playing outside with my friends. That's all I remember from that time. I don't know about you, but I don't remember the feeling that I had, besides being just the, just the vague feeling. I remember happy. Mm-hmm. I don't remember much more, but this guy, and that's the good thing about good... Uh, coming of age stories, they're very, very specific to pull you back to remember what it's like to be a child. It is, but you also uh, bring up something interesting and uh, a little bit of a um, a detour from the main path. But because it's presented in um, a, a flashback told by the narrator, you have the opportunity, and I wouldn't even say that Ketchum was trying to do this, but you have the opportunity to question whether the narrator is reli- 100% reliable or not. Um, and it, if you, if you think of it in that way, it makes you, it makes you wonder, you know, did he take part in it more than he's willing to admit? Um, and things like that. Now, my, my personal opinion is probably not. He seems pretty candid. Um, and just the fact, um, uh, again, you, you and I both touched base. We, we loved, uh, chapter 42. I've got it right in front of me. I'm actually, I'm going to read it verbatim. Um, cause even though it's not much, it's it, this one, it really stuck out to me. Chapter 42 reads, I'm not going to tell you about this. I refuse to. There are things you know you'll die before telling. Things you know you should have died before ever having seen. I watched mm. and saw. So, I mean, that kind of honesty kind of makes you think he's probably reliable. But, uh, yeah, I agree with you. Um, if he's it, it is a little bit unusual that he's remembering, you know, um, events like that in such great detail. But, yeah, that's fiction. You know, you can't read too much into that. Yeah, you're right, and you just blew my mind. I didn't even I didn't even think about how he could be questionable as far as the reliability goes. Wow. Well, that that that's that's tinfoil hat speculation, but uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, chapter forty two. Yeah, that was perfect. And in the author notes after the novel, at least in this, so me and you have the same uh, edition, mm-hmm. the leisure fiction one from two was two thousand five. Let me see. Let me see really quick. Yeah, June 2005. Yeah, okay. All right, so in this one, we got two short stories at the end. We're not going to talk about them because they're really, I mean, I I didn't like them. I I didn't think they were great. Brennan didn't read them, uh, which I told him, don't (laughs) don't worry about it. Um, But the thing that it also has is the author notes. I don't know if any other edition does, but this one talks about um, that that chapter, and 
it talks about how he did write the detailed version, but then he edited it and thought that was a better approach to go. And I think it was because from you'll know what we're talking about if you read it or if you're reading it right now and you're close to that part. Well, we did uh, literally say chapter 42, so <laughs> it's yeah. a fair marker. Yeah. I wouldn't want to read that. They were. No, and honestly, and, you know, you never know uh, because you have not read it, but yeah, I honestly true. feel like the wording of that chapter, basically just taking a step back outside the story and being like, um, you've been witness to some really heinous shit to this point. I'm not even going to tell you what happened next. It makes it makes the stuff that's come before uh, just look t- tame by comparison almost. Um, I think that's such an effective tool. It's way better than, you know, uh, than, than describing it in detail because that, that, that borderline, even with the character development, that's the exact type of thing that I was trying to avoid when, um, with, with my narrow definition of extreme horror is I, I don't want a step by step walkthrough of a snuff film. Um, I, 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 it's, it's kind of that age old, it's scarier when you don't see the monster, and I, I can get on board with that 100%. That's true. Uh, Tom Savini actually says in uh, Behind the Scenes, I think it was a documentary, 1990 remake of Ned Blue and Dead, he talks about how back then that they couldn't get away with this one scene in particular where uh, one of the characters gets on the back of a pickup, shoots a zombie in the head, explodes, they couldn't get away with that, I think, because of, like, legal reasons. But he said it's better this way for that exact reason. Uh, so, I mean, if you don't take it for what we say, take it for what the master of horror, horror effects says. That, uh, yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna picture probably something worse than we could create. And I, I pictured the entire scene. And it was pretty fucked up. Yeah, well, times have changed. You could, uh, you, you can show that on basic cable now. <laughs> Which can, it brings me to a point I wanted to make earlier. This was published first in 1989. How? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. I don't know. Again, I, I, I don't, I, I can't, I don't really have much to compare it to that was coming out at similar times. I mean, I don't even, I don't even know what Stephen King out, had out at that time, or, or right around that time. Uh, it was a couple of years before it, um, and you know, I know Richard Lehman was doing stuff. I have not read any Richard Lehman, so I don't know how it compares. But um, yeah, I, I'd be interested to know because uh, I have no idea how exactly it was received and what the sales were like uh, upon its release. Yeah, because we're not talking about, like, it came out in 84, I think. Um, but that one scene alone in it right there, I, if it, if it was me, and I know I'm not the one that made one of, like, the biggest classical current modern horror movies, uh, books. So I'm just saying, if it was me, I would have left up the child jer- circle Jergo. But I think that one scene alone, if you look at comments for that book, the negative ones, they always talk about that. Like, that's the whole book. Yeah. Yep. So uh, I bring that up because uh, 
and, and, and oddly enough, it's 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 again tame compared to to, to some of the stuff you get in here. <laughs> I, I'm thinking of a scene right now that uh, that that isn't uh, that the camera doesn't pan away from that uh, uh, is more in depth than than that one. Yeah. So the girl next door is super extreme. Like, uh, if you want to take a dive into the deep end like we did, that's the one that I would suggest. But I, I got one book for a sample size. So yeah. don't take my word for it, I guess. Um, so I, I mean, you can, you, you can jump back in and talk about it if you like, but I'm, I'm curious. Let's, let's steer away here for a minute. Would you read another, uh, Ketchum book? Oh yeah. I want to read everything he wrote and I want to write like him. I think he's my new Stephen King. Sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm not kidding. Like, dude, I love Stephen King. He's a fellow New Englander. I mean, yep. that, but I don't know. When you grow up, you start liking different things. Uh, I, I don't like most, I don't like all the stuff I liked when I was a kid. I, I still, I still have an N64 and an original Nintendo, but I, I don't know. Uh, Jack Ketchum right now to me is kind of, he's kind of on a higher shelf than, uh, King. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, we, we really uh, had no doubt that this was the one we were going to dive into, uh, least of all because we both had it. Um, yeah. That was yeah. that certainly helped. But uh, the other ones that I keep seeing come up um, off season is 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 one that I feel like I've got to get to. I, I'm pretty sure that was his first one. And it's a uh, main beach town. uh a, a people on vacation in a main beach town and they uh have a run in with a family of cannibals and again it's it's written in that don't read this if you're not ready for uh, some seriously <laughs> messed up stuff uh style um i know another one i keep uh coming across is is red everybody yeah. seems to really like red um, and you, you know, it's, I, I, I'm not spoiling cause this is literally the, the synopsis is literally the dog dies. I mean, how <laughs> <laughs> the, the man must've gotten some hate mail at the time. You'd think, um, it, yeah. it, it, it actually kind of sounds a lot like John wick way before John wick was a thing. <laughs> um, and then the other one I feel like I have to check out is uh peaceable kingdom is his oh. uh, short story collection. And I know you weren't wild about those short stories, but again, I've, I've seen uh, you have to read this way too many times. One, um, one thing that keeps coming up is he has a story called the box and I have absolutely no idea what it's about, but just given word of mouth, I, I've got to read it. Well, but, okay. So, Bob Ford specifically said, because I, as soon as I finished reading this, I talked to a few people, obviously you, and then uh, I talked to him, because I figured, I didn't know, but I figured, because he's in the circle with Brian and Kelly Owen and all of them, I figured that he was friends with Jack too, So and and I really respect Bob's opinion, so I was like, I'm, I'm just going to tell him. I was super excited. I love the girl next door, as fucked up as it is, it's one, it's one of my favorite books. And I said after I finish, I want to read it again, but maybe I will. Um, but Bob said, "Peaceable was it? Peaceable King, Peaceful Kingdom, Peaceable, Peaceable." Okay, I thought it was that, but then I was like, "Ah, oh, that sounds weird." Yeah, <laughs> Peaceable Kingdom. He specifically said you have to read this. So I already had that on my radar specifically because of Bob Ford. Um, I want to read everything he wrote, like I said, but then yeah. at the same time, I'm like, I want to read other 
good uh, authors and not miss out on them. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, the, the you don't want to I, I certainly wouldn't judge the um, his his ability to write short stories by the two included here. And I actually did. Um, I, I took a half an hour. I actually did read through them. We don't have to talk about them because I agree with you there. They're fine. Um, I, I didn't. Bad. I just don't. Yeah. Them. Yeah, exactly. If I thought that um, a collection was going to be basically 15 versions of that. I don't know that I would move it super high up my list, but um, but but it even said, you know, these stories are in print for the first time, which, you know, means he didn't want to put them in a collection. Um, Probably. So, you know, that you, you certainly wouldn't want to base your opinion off that. But Oh, yeah. No, I, I want to read. There's been a lot of not just you and Bob, but there's been other people I've mentioned Peaceable uh, Kingdom. And uh, I don't know. It's on my radar. So is a. Uh, for extreme horror or splatterpunk rather david i'm oh man hope i don't fuck his name up david shot chow i i believe it's scow but i'm oh, not it is positive scow. about that at all no yeah. you're right he's um seeing red yeah i i bob pasker god damn it if i mess this name up too i'm gonna kick my own ass bob pascarelli from this is horror uh pastorella ah god swing Sorry. and a miss Sorry, guys. Oh, for two. Um, yeah, so he suggested, because I, I put up a, a tweet saying I'm looking for suggestions on Splatterpunk, and he suggested that one, so that's on my radar, too. There's just so many good books, and like the indie horror scene, I could read for the rest of my life and still not read half of the books that I want to read. Yeah. And that's not even including ones that are like main horror or out of the genre. The, the David Scow one is though that's another um, good example of an author. I read a short story uh, by him, and I, I'm spacing on the name of the story, but it was in an anthology called Flight or Fright, which was uh, air, airplane horror stories. Oh, yeah, Bev Vincent didn't yep. he have something to do with that? Yeah, he he edited it. Um, okay, that's and, right. And he had a really good story, uh, a zombie story in there too. Um, but and uh, David Scow's story, I I didn't. It, again, it was fine. I didn't, I didn't love it. It didn't really resonate with me at all. And it was, you know, just based on that experience, I wasn't about to go out looking for something else by him. But, you know, you just, you, you see, this is an author who's, you know, this, and I've, I've spaced on the, uh, book you just mentioned, but, uh, this is, this is an author to, to read. This is a guy who knows what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, let's see. And read, uh, I really hope I didn't fuck up that title too. And be 0 for 3. <laughs> yeah, it would be. Uh, it's 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 another uh, element of the horror community. You got to get everybody's name wrong. Oh yeah, well, <laughs> I hope uh, they don't get upset for me for at me for saying this, but uh, Shane and uh, Rich do that sometimes on Ink Heist. And actually, sorry for throwing you under the bus, Laura, but she did that on a previous episode with Silver Shamrock. It was funny as hell. No, it's not even that. Um, you know, the the author of the uh, the the Rust Maidens, and I I'll throw my hat in the ring here. I'm gonna go with Gwendolyn Keist. Um, I've heard her last name pronounced more ways than you should be able to try it. Um, and and I I literally do not know which one is the correct one. Um, so I yeah. I get mine pronounced all the time. My wife didn't want to take my last name at first because of that reason. Uh, for the reason that one. She didn't want everyone to instantly think she was Irish. 
Um, yep. Just because she's that's she's fair. a mix. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> just because she's a mix of a few different things. German, I think, is the predominant one with her. And uh, the other thing, <laughs> the other thing was like I'm from originally Massachusetts, but if for some reason even people from there, uh, they still fuck up my name and call me McDonough, McDonough. They add letters, they add pronunciations. Um, I don't know. I did it with your last name. Yeah, it it it, uh, it looks like it looks like Pharaoh. It's a it's it's not one you see every day, so that's fine. Um, is it is it McDonough? Yeah, it's McDonough. Um, okay. There, there's a few variations on the name, but I'm pretty sure they're they're pronounced all the same. So where I live now in South Jersey, mm-hmm. the the name's very uncommon. Uh, I went from a state that is full of my own people of. Uh, Irish Americans, and more specifically in the Boston, South Boston area, or not South Boston, but the South Shore area. Yep. Um, and there's this one Irish pub. It's called Airy Pub. I think it's in, God, I think it's Dorchester. I might be, yep. it might be the wrong neighborhood. I don't know. It, maybe not, but I went there one time because I used to deliver alcohol, uh, for a company and, um, I asked them, I'm like, hey, my family just had a family party here like two weeks ago. Do you remember the McDonough's? And I'm not even going to impersonate his accent. I'm terrible at it. Uh, but he said, son, we have three McDonough's here every day. No, I don't remember your family. <laughs> I went. <laughs> That's, that sounds completely right. That sounds very accurate. Yeah. So I was living outside of New England. <laughs> so, so I went from that where I, so the only people that fucked up my name were people that were clearly not American or they were not from that state calling me for like, you know, a, something, a scam or bills or whatever. I went from that to being in South Jersey where the only other guy with my last name every like in this area where I live, I've gone and asked, are you related to Brian McDonough? And I, I just want to meet this guy and be like. Look, we, we gotta get a DNA test. I don't know if we're related, but let's do it. Go far back enough, you are. Yep. So, uh, yeah, yeah, we're, we're, you said, I think you said we're, uh, in one of the first, the initial, like, five or so episodes, and our listeners are now thrilled because they have, like, you know, a genealogy of both of our last names. <laughs> uh, boy, this really devolved quickly. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, wow. So, sorry. We probably lost everyone. Um, no one gives a fuck uh, about our last names. <laughs> I specific, we specifically advertised this episode as us discussing strictly Jack Ketchum. Uh, kind of lied, I guess. <laughs> um, we'll just put it in the notes. We'll put it in the notes. Uh, Irish genealogy. <laughs> um, so back to Jack Ketchum. He is incredible. I wish he was still alive. I would have loved to meet him. He sounded like a general sweetheart. Um, I, I don't know. I just, he's someone that I, when I say I want to write like Jack, like thinking about all the books and authors I've read and this book, not the extreme horror content. Like I don't, I, I don't know if it's cause I'm a dad now. I don't know if it's cause it's just not in me. I don't really want to write a book like this, but I want to write similar to his style because wow, he's fucking good. He's a man. Yeah, I hear you. 
Um, I, I was, um, the, the way I would interpret that is not, I want to, you know, take true crime plot lines and add a coming of age element or nothing that specific. But, um, when I was, um, when I said we got to have, you know, chapter 42, uh, up for reference, um, I jotted it down on my notes in front of me and I, I finished, I, I wrote the last sentence I watched and saw, and I, I look and I've got, I've got the hair standing up on my arms and, if I'm you, uh, uh, or if, hey, if I'm me, why not? I want to write a book that has that effect, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And why not you? That's how it should be. Um, that's how, if it, if you want to write, just say, why not me? Because why not? No one knew that they were going to be who they are until they become, if, until they became that person. Like, like Stephen King, he literally lived in a trailer, and now he owns more money than all of us. <laughs> Combined. Combined, son. Yep. So overall, um, overall, no, what, was your, what was your take? You asked me what if I wanted to, uh, if I would, wait, no. I was going to say overall, and then I jumped to another question, and then I confused myself. So I'm going to backtrack. Um, what's your takeaway from this book? Um, I, I think we, I, I, I think I would be backtracking and just kind of repeating myself. I love the way, I love the setup. Um, I don't think that it's as effective without the setup. Um, there, there have been so many books I've, I've looked at, um, in, you know, uh, since discovering the novella form and, well, reading a lot more of them anyway. Um, and said, this works perfectly at 80 pages, at 110 pages. And I don't think that's true here. Mm. I think that you could get in all the meaty parts into a hundred and some odd pages, but without the buildup that allows you to give a shit about the character, uh, to ma- mainly the main kid. Um, I don't think that, uh, you have that success. Um, yeah, yeah, true. So I, I really think the starting in the present day, um, looking back, uh, and the other thing I really liked about that present day setting is when it returns to it, um, it talks about kind of finding, um, information on what happened to all the other neighborhood kids who were involved with, you know, the, the main elements of, of the plot of the book. Um, all, all the other kids who did some much more fucked up shit than our narrator. Um, and, you know, they're in jail, they're dead, they're, uh, they, they, they did, they, they went on. This was just the beginning. Um, Woofer. And it, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, no, remind me, did you finish True Crime yet? I'm a hundred pages in. Okay. All right. Um, well then you, you've, you've read, and, and this is basically synopsis anyway, I'm not spoiling anything, but it's, it's kind of, there, there's so much, um, uh, emphasis on path there, um, that the decisions that the, the character in true crime, the decisions that she made are completely dependent on things that have happened before, not just in the runtime of the book, but, you know, things that are intimated or that happen in the first few pages of the book. Uh, she makes decisions and uh, she does things that you or I would not. 
Um, and it's, it's that whole kind of nature versus, versus nurture thing. It's that it, at some point your path kind of deviates from the norm. And after that, are you a monster? Is it your fault? Um, and is there any coming back from it? And I think that, uh, looking at, you know, when it, when it goes over, here are the other people that did some really, really awful things and here's where they ended up. Um, it's kind of a an interesting reflection on that. Yeah, um, I'm actually those are good points. Uh, I'm actually glad that you brought up true crime. I am 42 pages away from finishing it, but I think I've read enough of it to say like I can see why people compare this to uh, the girl next door. It's um, it's not as extreme. Uh, it doesn't cover as much territory as the girl next door does. Um. It's a good book. It, it's got parts where I'm just going to say, because this is a new book, so we're definitely not going to spoil this one at all. Mm, um, yep. I just want to say one scene that made I got a pet pig, you know, and I think you already know where I'm going with this. The, yeah. <laughs> the, the, pig, the pig scene. And Sam uh, Koyesnik, Samantha Koyesnik does something that we talked about earlier. She describes enough and then she doesn't describe certain things where it made my gut go, oh, it's not there anymore. It's an empty hole. I just felt so bad for dot, yeah, dot, and, dot. And I think a lot of the comparisons between those two books, they're definitely apt, but it's uh, it, it, it's more in the style they're written, that kind of, you know, unflinching style that uh, doesn't, always look away i mean we spent a fair time a fair bit of time talking about when it does look away and how effective that is but um you know true crime it it shows you it shows you everything um and it just kind of it jumps right in um that's 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 one that works super well in 142 pages or whatever it is um there's there's no fat on it and you learn everything that you need to know about what that character has been through within five pages, you know, yeah. uh, again, you can't necessarily understand the choices that she makes, but you can appreciate that they're not going to be the same as, as what you do. Well, I haven't, you know, I haven't lived through that shit. So I don't, I don't know what I would do if, uh, if my upbringing was extremely different. Yeah. Cause, uh, she never had a chance. Um, nope. no, no, I, I had a good childhood. I got a good life right now. Um, but during your childhood or adolescence, that's, uh, that's, what's going to make you who you are. Um, I can see why she is the way she is our protagonist. Um, her brother kind of don't understand him. He's kind of like a big bulldozer that doesn't, <laughs> That doesn't express anything besides, uh, violence. Yeah. Um, uh, I love the cover. I love what they did with the wraparound cover. Uh, for those that don't know what it looks like, definitely Google true crime. Um, it looks like a newspaper. Oh, come on. Everybody's bought that book by now, right? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to retweet it. Just make sure. (laughs) Yeah. I hope everyone does. It's a book yeah. worth it's a book worth reading. Um, it's small. It's a small story, so it's definitely 
quick read. I haven't read this as fast as I could, but I have a few things going on busy-wise at work, so that's my excuse because I <laughs> I want to write a little bit, read a little bit, make yep. sure the review platform is con- consistent. So that's my excuse, but this book can be read at a fairly quick pace. This could yeah. probably be read by some people in a day or two. Yeah, and 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 the other thing that it really shares with um with the girl next door is just I mean the the horror aspect of it comes from just how plausible it is. Um I mean the girl next door is basically it, it just stuff gets out of control. It, yeah. it it's not, you know, like the the villain of the piece which you could make an argument for several characters, but I I'd go with Ruth. Would you agree with that? Yes, I was waiting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I want to talk about her later too. Yeah, and 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 I mean she she is not a mustache twirling villain in any way shape or form. <laughs> she is um she starts the book as a reasonable uh human being that the kids in the neighborhood kind of see as more of uh, less of an authority figure and more of, you know, the cool parent. Um, and you just watch, again, you just watch stuff devolve. You watch, um, you, you just watch things kind of tiptoe over the line and then spiral out of control from there. Um, it, it, it's certainly not, there's, there's no like whiplash on it per se. Um, you don't go from everything's fine, everything's fine. Oh my God, what am I reading? Uh, you get there slowly, and that's again, that's the plausibility of it. It's like, oh shit, like this could happen. Um, <laughs> I really hope it doesn't, but well, it did, you know. That's the <laughs> that's the whole uh, genesis of it. But and I think I think true crime is absolutely in in that same vein as you know, it's this could happen. It's very plausible. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so like your wife, me and my wife, we we really like uh. True crime. Um, <laughs> oh, damn it. I see what she did there. Uh, she made a book title, so you talk about a very popular subject. And wait, you're yeah, talking you about my book. <laughs> Actually, like it's the opposite way. You Google the book title and you're, you're on, like, you know, page five of results. But, <laughs> um, but seriously, uh, where was I going? Uh, can, you, can you catch me up? What was Pat saying? <laughs> oh, who the hell knows? Um, no, you, you, <laughs> you were talking about how uh, you and your wife are true crime junkies. Oh, yeah. God damn, the, I'm sober, too. <laughs> yes, thank you. So she's not into horror, but she does like watching true crime or uh, Mindhunter. Um, and it's true. I mean, and she's a social worker, so like, uh, she, I've learned a lot about people with different levels of uh mental I don't I don't even know what the right phrasing is so I apologize if I get this wrong mental handicap mental disability uh it's not always just like you're genetically born a certain way I mean it seems from what I've heard that a lot of it has to do with a a, tra- a traumatic situation and usually from the age of being a child to your early teens or your teens. Um, I don't know how that, Oh yeah, that has to do with true crime. Okay. Got it. Got it. That again, I'm sober. What is my problem? I am not keeping a straight mind. Um, (laughs) (laughs) 
it is it's very likely that something like this has happened and is happening right now uh true crime with the uh protagonist and her big brother um it's scary uh why I brought up the me and my wife watching true crime stories is because almost everyone looks like a normal person and they all have some are okay not all of them but some of them you can go hmm what would i do in that situation i don't i don't know what i do in this situation with her i mean it says on the book so it says on the synopsis so it's not like i'm spoiling anything she and her brother go on a killing spree but the way it's done is pretty interesting um and the way that I see a, a really interesting connection from this to the girl next door that you haven't mentioned yet is uh, Alice. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go into any detail about that. I kind of wish that was explored a little bit more, but um, it's not my story to write or tell. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I, I don't disagree. I, I would love to know more, but I think that uh, for as far as the pacing of that novel or novella. Um, is concerned. I, I, I understand why that choice was made, um, to just the, let's, let's keep going. Cause it is breakneck. I mean, I, I yeah. read that book in two days. Um, I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I, and I think the only reason I didn't read it in one is cause I just, I, I hit a point at, uh, around page 75 or so. And I said, Holy shit, I got to put this thing down for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I got to mentally recover. <laughs> I'm always interested cause I bring my books to work and, yeah. uh, I haven't had – I got – there's readers at my work. Um, one of the guys – and they're my age. Uh, one of the guys, uh, when I put The Girl Next Door, when I was done with it, and I had True Crime in my hand, he goes, oh, you finished that last one? I go, yep. And he said, oh, uh, how was it? And I thought about it. I'm like, I can tell these guys pretty – I'm not going to get written up or nothing if I talk about it, but I'm like – I decided to go the route of vague, and I said it was the most fucked up thing I've ever read, but oh my god, it's so good. And I got true crime in my hand, and it's more descriptive, or visually descriptive, mm-hmm. or enticing than the Girl Next Door's cover. And um, a part of me wonders what my boss would say if he saw it, because it's just a picture of a girl that's dead floating in the water. <laughs> I think she is. She's what yeah. is it? It looks that way. Okay. Yeah. So I'm um, from memory rather than visuals, but yeah. <laughs> I'm just curious what like the non-reader or the non because there's so many people that are into serial killers. They're all over the place on Netflix on in mer- for merchandise. So I I don't think it's that weird now, but still I don't think I'd want to describe this to the. Uh, average non-book reader. Yeah, and and, and you know you could. I, I, there's such a surge in true crime fans nowadays um, that you, you it it maybe it's not so weird to um to to it. I, I, it's it's almost more weird to read a book that's made up where that stuff happens than read <laughs> a book where that stuff actually happened. And to me, that's a little messed up. Yeah, I don't know uh, but, about real true crime. Yeah. Yeah, because that's like you know that's someone's mom or son or well, and and that's I don't get it. I mean, like you know, my wife will read a book or watch a documentary about 
uh, you know, some some guy breaking into windows at night to murder an entire family. And for some reason, she finds that less frightening than a book about ghosts. Uh, that's that's beyond me. I don't. Oh, I'm right there with you up until I. And you know what? No, not I was I'm correcting myself before I make my point. Um, Up in I was going to say up until I read The Girl Next Door. Whenever I see the question, what's the scariest book you read? This is, I wouldn't call it scary. It's just fucked up. But, um, for me, it's Red Dragon. And yep. th- have you read that? I have. It's been a while, but I have. So I'm obsessed with the trilogy. I'm, in my head, I remember there being a prequel, but I'm like, that doesn't exist because it's so bad. <laughs> I know the movie was bad. I, I know I read the novel, but I don't remember anything about it. I don't remember whether the novel was bad. <laughs> uh, just a quick brief description. It's about Hannibal Lecter growing up. How uh, he killed a bunch of guys that ate his sister, uh, soldiers. It, it's It just... It was one of those books where, at least in my opinion, I was like, why did you bother making that? It it just didn't add to the lore of Hannibal Lecter. Um, I don't know where I was going with this point. Oh, yeah. Uh, Red Dragon. Um, I thought that Francis Dollarhide, he's just so creepy. He creeps me out to the point where I picture this one scene in my head, and it describes... Uh, when the FBI agent um, Will Graham is mm-hmm. trying to figure out like where he was and what you know what was what he was doing and whatnot, that um he finds evidence of him on this tree, and across from that tree or in this little patch of trees is the victim's house. So he was watching them, and he was pretty much. Uh, Figuring out how he could break in. That just, that creeps me out so much because that could be anywhere. That could be anyone. Uh, I believe in, I don't want to say I believe in ghosts, but I believe in energy. Energy's mm-hmm. everywhere. I don't know how else to describe it. Yeah, um, serial killers are so much more scarier because, or, or murderers or whatever because they're, they could be anyone. Yeah, yep. Yeah, and it's and it's just that um, the ideal behind uh, fictionalized account versus here's something that actually happened um, and could happen to you when you go to bed tonight. <laughs> so, I yeah, I, I don't know. I find that I find that shit terrifying. So, <laughs> I know my wife asked me to make sure I lock the doors before I go to bed. Before we go to bed, when we watch certain serial killer documentaries, and I'm like, yeah, you bet your ass I do. Yep. I double check that all the time. So, um, true crime. Uh, real quick point I wanted to make. I hope that she makes another book um, soon because I'm almost done with this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it'll be that quick. You only got 40 pages. What's, what's yeah. that going to take you? Three weeks? Yeah, something like that. Maybe a year. <laughs> um, oh, the last point I wanted to make about The Girl Next Door. I liked yep. how it ended. Uh, I liked what happened with um, the antagonist, uh, Ruth. Mm-hmm. Um, it was perfect. I thought that I, I didn't think that would happen because leading up to it, you're like, Oh, what the fuck? This is so, this would happen in real life, you know, but it, what happened was awesome. 
I was pretty much jumping out of my seat cheering. And then the epilogue, how you describe what you described, uh, how he talks about all the accounts. I, I loved it. I thought it was, I, I try to reserve this word for the books that deserve it the most, but I thought this book was perfect in pace, in length, in tone, in character development. Yeah, um, I, 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 um, I'm glad you brought that, the, the, the ending up, um, cause that, that definitely stuck out to me too. Um, there's a book I read not that long ago, and I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna name it cause I don't wanna sound like I'm dragging it, but it was a fantastic book. Uh, very, very grim, very, uh, just messed up and dark, and then it just swung around, um, and, gave you this like saccharine sweet happy ending and it was still good i really liked i I really liked it but it just it didn't fit and this poorly executed um the ending could the 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 part you're talking about could have gone in that direction but i really felt like it worked i i felt like it fit the tone um established it wasn't like 320 pages of just trudging through the mud uh, and then everything's all smiles and rainbows, but it just, it, it pulled off a nice little surprise at the ending there. Oh yeah. Have you seen Gone Baby Gone? I have, yeah. I love that movie, uh, up until the end. Well, that's the one where Morgan Freeman plays the cop, right? And, uh, oh, are you kidding me? I love the ending. I, 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 I love how, um, I, I, I love how it's, you're thinking about it and you're talking about it after the credits roll. Because there's no right answer, um, and, and I, I, I totally interrupted you, so I'm gonna let you finish your thought. But uh, no, that's fine. That's where Casey Affleck's the main character, right? Yep. The reason I didn't like that is because I, I'm not saying it's a bad ending. I didn't like it because I don't like seeing kids in bad situations. And you know what? Spoiler alert on this film. We're not. We, <laughs> um, that's a that's another 07. I worked at the video store when it came out release, so I think you're okay uh, spoiling yeah. that. Also, nobody came here to. No, nobody said, "Oh, I came here to listen to a uh, spoiler-free review of Gone Baby Gone, starring Ben Affleck or directed by Ben Affleck." <laughs> that's true. You know what? Fuck it. He's 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 got enough people that's seen it. So yep. basically, long story short, Casey Affleck ends up. Uh, Kind of saving this girl from her, what is she, a crackhead, the mom? Yeah. Yeah, so saves this kid, whatever, and then uh, finds out that the kid's with this cop that's uh, close to retiring, played by Morgan Freeman, um, ends up ratting him out. Morgan Freeman goes to prison, and the kid's back with the mom, and it shows him... uh, Going to the mom, checking in, and she hasn't changed. And the reason yeah. why I didn't like it is because, like, fuck that mom. I oh, absolutely no. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll clarify. I didn't, uh, I didn't like the ending because it's. I'm like, okay, everything, everybody's back. Everybody's <laughs> where I want them to be. Fantastic. I, I liked it because I thought it did a great job of pointing out, um, you know, just kind of uh, the the ethical conundrum, like oh, the yeah. right thing to do is you know there is no right thing to do like you know the the police chief or whatever broke the law he's he's in the wrong but uh 
that that kid is a uh, full circle here that that kid has no chance that kid has you know is going to have an upbringing that is potentially going to wind them up in the same boat as the mother yes. so um but yeah no i th- i thought that was great for that <laughs> oh I- i'm not disagreeing with that and you know what i don't know if this is going to stir shit or whatever but I'm also a firm believer in uh, that blood does not make family family. And I thought that the girl, the little girl with Morgan Freeman, that was family. Her mom yeah. was just, ooh, I know, I know people like her mom. <laughs> and don't know if this is an excuse, but my blood is super Irish, man. And it just gets boiled to no end when little kids aren't getting treated right. Yeah, and I mean, there's that whole, uh, you know, the, the the detective that is helping, you know, Morgan Freeman kind of, uh, he, he goes on that big tirade about how, uh, you know, the, if, if you hurt a kid, you're you're on the wrong side. And that essentially his view of the, you know, ethics in that situation is the hell with the law. I'm going to do what I have to do to, you know, help a kid out, even if the, uh, you know, even if the legal code doesn't necessarily agree with it. Yeah. Um, I have a, I think we're done talking. And, about and by the way, the, uh, the, the whole part we were just talking about with the, uh, ending of the girl next door totally ties into that standpoint. <laughs> it does. And I'm it's surprised. Legally, legally it's questionable, but ethically, uh, make your own decision. I'm happy. I think ethically it's the right thing to do because uh, no, nah, I can't answer that. I'll end up ruining it. I, I know it came out in '89, but still, like you and I read it for the first time in 2020, so I I don't want to ruin it for anyone. And that's yeah, least- I like to think we did uh, we we did an okay uh, spoiler not spoiler free but spoiler light. Yeah, so I think that should be like that's that's my goal with this. This whole horror classics thing is, yes, they are older books, but I want to not break down the books. Because if we break them down, it's like, what's the fucking point in, in reading it? But if we kind of do what we just did, I mean, maybe someone's like, no, fuck you, you're wrong. I don't want to read it now. Um, I, I think that if we kind of just talk about why we felt the way we do with certain scenes – Without going into detail, hopefully we entice a new Jack Ketchum fan. Because I'm, yeah. dude, I'm Team Ketchum. Like, yeah, I want, I want every book he has on my shelf. And you know, my my kind of final thoughts. I I I'd, I'd wrap it up with this: is if you're, um, I I'd say one of the biggest names that is in the indie horror community right now is Jonathan Jans. Would you agree with that? Oh yeah, he's okay. So uh, I'm not saying, like, who's the top dog, but I'll say who one of them is. It's Brian Keene. Yep. Brian Keene has said nothing but great things but one of, about Jonathan Jans. One of them, and I'm paraphrasing, one of them was basically that Jans is, like, him. Uh, gosh, I thought I had another name on my head top of my head uh he said that jans is one of the leaders in the new next generation and i agree with it yep and i mean uh, brian Keane's a good one to bring into that um brian Keane is you know influenced and peers with uh you know he, he worked his way up to peer but the the whole story where he um basically uh jack ketchum dallas mayor 
went over his uh, contract uh, for the rising at, at at a bar, you know. So I mean, he yeah. was a little to an extent like a, a protege. And then Jonathan Jans makes no secret that um, he is a huge fan of of Ketchum the man and uh, Ketchum the writer. Um, so you know what I would wrap up with is there there's so many uh aspects of 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 different things where you you feel compelled to read you know the influences the classics and they just they 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 don't necessarily hold up they were written you know for the time or whatever and i don't think this is an example of it you should read it because it is a great story on its own and i'm going to go out on a limb and assume that his other books work in the same way but you should also read it because a lot of the people uh, if you are, you know, up to your neck in the indie horror community, a lot of the people who are writing right now are heavily inf- influenced by uh, by Ketchum. So, I mean, there's there's every reason to dive into it. Uh, not, you know, least not least of all, because uh, Pat and I say you absolutely should. Yeah, I agree. Um, <laughs> you do hear his name everywhere. And I don't really have anything else to add to that because that was really well said. Uh, I just think... Um, if you're looking to explore names beyond a mainstream book, uh, I looked in my area. I got for the biggest chain name. I got books a million. <laughs> I just want to like ask whoever's in charge of the the book department because there's mostly toys. It seems like. Mm-hmm. I just want to say, why is your horror section Stephen King, one Joe Hill book, one Richard Chismar book? I don't see any. Indie film, uh, indie females. Uh, I can't believe they even have Chismar. <laughs> oh, they only. Oh, I guess have, they would have the Gwendy book. Yeah. That's why. That's why yep. they have him. Um, yep. I didn't see one Dick Limone, Richard Lamone. I didn't see any Catchem. Um, I didn't see any Jar Lansdale. I, I didn't see. I saw Anne Rice. Anne Rice was yep. the only female. Her and her and uh, Carolyn um, Kepnis. But the yep. only the only reason her name was there, book was yep, there, was because of you. And, and 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 you know, even expanding that to like uh, Barnes and Noble is you can find generally those names, uh, and and you can find Malamon and Tremblay too. Um, I I was recently really excited. I went to um, a store about a half an hour away from here that I'd never been to. It's actually owned by the uh, Jeff Kinney, the guy who uh, runs the who who wrote the Wimpy Kid books. Okay. Um, <laughs> And it had it wasn't labeled horror, but it had a three shelf section. And there there were um, there were people there that I, I didn't expect to see. There were um, flame tree books there. I've, oh. I, and I hadn't seen any of those before. It was a uh, snowball. Uh, and I can't think of the author's name, but one that just came out. Greg, um, uh, fuck. That Bastianelli, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. Um, there, there was um, Victor Laval. Um, and uh, I'm blanking on the rest, but there, there were a fair few names that, uh, I don't think I've ever seen in a bookstore. Uh, Christopher Golden was, uh, was well represented there. That's awesome. I, Chris is an, he's a great guy. I've only talked to him a little bit, but he's, he's so friendly. That's something I love about this too. Like I talked to him, uh, Jonathan Mayberry, um, did me the honor of allowing me to interview him and specifically talk about weird the the latest Weird Tales issue. That I I couldn't believe it. I was like, what? Him? Brian King talks to us sometimes. I mean, we've we've talked to him some. I don't know if you actually. I don't want to speak for you. 
I've talked to him a few times specifically about review platform. Because of him, I got hooked up with Mary San Giovanni to have an article for us, as well as Summer Cannon. And yep. they're they're awesome. Uh, there's so many amazing people in this. Jonathan Jans, going back to him, is like the sweetest person you could talk to. Yeah, he's very um, you know, so much so much of Twitter is negative right now, but he is the most optimistic, positive person. Um, and and I I said something to that degree a few days ago, and he he commented something like, "No man, you rock. <laughs> You're the real hero." <laughs> yeah. yeah, he uh, I, I didn't know until I listened to uh, an episode on Brian's show a few years back because I'm listening to the older seasons that he signed a 11 book contract with mm-hmm. uh, Thunderbook. Uh, that's insane. 11 books. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I told him I, I messaged him. I was like, hey, so I just found this out. I think that's amazing. And you're super inspirational. And he's just so nice. He was like, thank you so much. And he does that with everybody. He's just so fucking nice. Mm-hmm. It makes me want to never be a dick to almost at every, no one because there's some people that you're like well <laughs> fuck that guy well i gotta be a dick to that guy but yeah all right <laughs> so the last thing i wanted to ask you was what books are and it's obviously going to be different by the time this series because this you know what fuck it this is going to be episode three yeah. this is going to be the episode that comes out before the next time we co-host which uh in chronological order of recording, the next one will be a few days from now with Ken McKinley. Can't wait for that. Um, but as far as the actual order of the episodes goes, the next one that people will hear you and me on will be with Inkheist. Okay. Oh, Laurel Hightower. I meant to say, I saw her her book, um, Whispers in the Dark, on Target's website. But I, I really? can't find uh, look it up, man. I can't find it. They said that, that you can, you know, they, they'll order it for you. Um, uh, so I'm, I'm anticipating your question to be, uh, what am I reading right now? Is that right? Yep. yep. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to keep it short because somebody's going to look at this and say two hours. Fuck that shit. <laughs> so we'll, we'll come up a little bit short of that. But uh, so I'm, I'm reading um, Seven Cleopatra Hill by Justin Holly. That's coming out uh, from oh. Silver Shamrock in uh, April 7th, I think. Um, I'm reading The Only Good Indians by Stephen Graham Jones. That's coming out in May. Um, and I just started uh, The Apocalyptic Mannequin by Stephanie Whitevich, and I really hope I didn't butcher her last name, but it's it's I, I'm I'm spending a fair bit of time uh, diving into horror poetry, which is or dark poetry, whatever you want to label it as. Uh, not something I'm super familiar with, so uh, a lot of people were you know appalled by that and sent a lot of really good things to read my way so i'm gonna be busy next month um but so so far i think i'm like 30 pages into uh the apocalyptic mannequin and it's really good i'm 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 pretty sold so far how about you uh well actually i want to talk about that book super quick the um stephanie's book i read it uh Hmm? i think it's great i didn't please don't yell at me people (laughs) but i'm I'm not a huge (laughs) I don't read poetry a lot. I don't seek it, but okay. If you if you don't if you don't read it a lot, they'll send a ton to you. <laughs> that'd be cool. I'd be down yeah. for that. 
as long as it's a physical copy. Stephanie's was digital. It was an arc. I'm okay with arcs sometimes. Not to sound like a fucking snob. That's just what I prefer. But um, so real quick about her book is it's awesome. It, the whole thing's great. She's got so many good po- poems in it. Like there's not there's no fillers in my opinion. Um, and the cool thing. As long as it's not canceled, because who the hell knows at this point in October when we go to the Merrimack Book Festival, uh, Valley Festival, um, hosted by Christopher Golden, who, by the way, will be there, uh, I believe. I think he will be. I don't know why I wouldn't. Yeah. Um, sorry, I don't want to misspeak for him. He might not be there. I don't know. I never confirmed that with him. Uh, but Stephanie's going to be there. Todd Keeslin's going to be there. Um, Michael Clark's gonna be there. And then we get to see a few other friends like Steve Gomsey and George. I don't know his last name, but they're both got, that's another good thing about the Indie Horror scene. You get to be friends with publishers, editors, authors, fans in general, r- reviewers. That's it. That's, that's all I got. I love it. I love the indie yep. scene. Oh yeah. Your question. What am I reading right now? <laughs> True crime. We got that I, one. I promise you, I am not stoned or drunk. This is just my ADD brain working in full gear right now. I'm almost <laughs> done with true crime. It's great. Uh, I would recommend it to anyone. Um, after that, I'm going to start Michael Clark's book one of The Patience of a Dead Man. I can't uh, fucking wait. You are in for a treat with that one. Uh, I'm, I'm looking to... Uh, with, with, with him, he just announced that he finished up book three. It'll, I don't know if it'll be out by the time this airs, but it'll at least be announced and, you know, we'll be waiting for it. Um, and I am, I'm looking forward to jumping into Dead Woman Scorned with my, uh, Mildred bookmark when, uh, oh, <laughs> when right. I have a second. Yeah, that, that'll be exciting. Um, that got, oh God, I can't wait. You and me are going to talk to him in a, yeah. So, oh, now that I think about it. You and me are going to be in three episodes for the initial launch. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I love it. Yep. Um, so Michael's first book. Then I'm going to jump to Devil's Creek so I can read that so we can talk to Todd. Um, I can't wait. To, dude, I, I, dude, I'm looking at my pile. Like I, I have. <laughs> it's so exciting, right? It's, <laughs> how can like, you make a decision? <laughs> I don't know. I want to read both at the same time. I got like 30 books on my desk. And I so I, I was like, you know what? The only way this is going to work is if I have an immediate pile and like a to-be-read pile. Yeah. So on that, I got those two books. I got book two, Michael's Scorn. Uh, what's he calling it? The Patience Dead of Dead Woman Scorned. Dead yeah. Woman Scorned is book two. Okay. Yeah. And I and, have I, and I'm cheating because I'm looking at it right now. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I got two others. Um, Ramsey Campbell's The Wise Friend and uh, this one that really piqued my interest, it's called Stoker's Wild by Stephen Hopstaken. I think I fucked that last name up. Hopstaken? Yeah, I know, I know exactly the book you're talking about, but I have no idea. I, I have not read that one. I do not even have it. And but Melissa? Time tree, so it's going to be. Oh, it, yeah. It's going to be a winner. Absolutely. And Melissa Prussy? Oh, God, I really hope. I'm just butchering names. Yeah. I'll I need them to fax me how you pronounce your last name, please. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just I'm going to read just a few real quick. I got a slew of 
Silver Shamrock books on my To Be Read pile. I got two of Brian Kirk's books. Um, oh, but what pertains to this specific call, let's call it a series. Uh, Brian Keene School. I, I think that should, that should be the next book I think we read. Yeah, I, th- I think we're going to do that one next. And then we talked about, uh, Richard Lehman, maybe, uh, maybe McCammon down the line and oh, hell yeah. we'll play the rest of it by year. Okay. All right. Yeah. I think, uh, Wow, we've talked for an hour and a half already. I, th- I think uh, we've probably covered everything that we can. <laughs> I can't imagine we missed anything. Yeah, you know what? Fuck it. If we missed anything, oh well. Yep. Um, I've had a lot of fun. I hope that at least one person listened through this whole thing. If It'll not, be exactly one. <laughs> you know what? I'll chalk it up as a successful podcast if one person says they're a fan. We, we have to steal. Uh, have to steal uh, Shane, Shane Keen's uh, all three of our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want to be I want to be better than them by one person. Oh, so all four of our listeners right now. We're gonna do it. We got four fans. I know we do somewhere. You can cheat because we can. You you can just ask. You know all the people who contribute at uh, Deadhead to. You, you have to listen, and that's gonna make for more than four. So. Oh fuck yeah! Look at that. Those suckers. I don't know, but they got a team, don't they? Inkeist? I thought they had a few people. Yeah, maybe three. They got three. Yeah, Laurel's the third. Yep. All right, man. Well, I had a great time talking to you. I really, I truly love this, and I look towards talking to you in a few days when we talk to Ken McKinley. But when that episode actually comes out, we'll pro. I, I think it's probably going to be mid-June. Yep. That's what it, I, I don't see why it wouldn't be. Sounds about right. All right. Well, hey, you have a good day. Likewise. And thank you for listening, all four people. Have a good one. Bye bye. Bye. We are in your mind. We are all around. You are now leaving Deadhead Space.